Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spang and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 96. You're with myself, Paul Spain, and Sim Ahmed. Welcome along, Sim. Good to, good to have you back on the, uh, on the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad we can do this over Skype as opposed to nowhere at all. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, with me being, uh, you know, uh, unwell, it was, uh, it was really the only option. So, uh. It's quarantine, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, that's right. So, um, hopefully we don't spread any germs to, uh, to you or the guests. Uh, I think we've got uh, sufficient, uh, distance thanks to, uh, thanks to the technology. Now, uh, Fair bit going on as always, but this week uh, lots that's really uh, local, local um, from a local perspective. Really, now first up, uh, ITEX conference that's coming to Auckland this week, Sim. Yes, uh, it's this Thursday at the Viaduct Event Centre. Uh, in case you guys don't know, it's the Computer World IT and Technology Ex- Expo. Uh, we got two pretty cool speakers. Uh, we have Chris Matman, who's a scientist at JPL, which is uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab. He'll be there talking about uh, square kilometer array and also a little bit about curiosity and just what kind of technology they need and use at NASA, which we think is pretty cool. Yeah, but I think I think that sounds um, like it'll be absolutely fascinating for those who get a chance to uh, catch that one. Yeah, he'll be our main keynote, but we also have a afternoon keynote from Noah Broadwater, and uh, he's a really cool. You know, because he's the CTO of Sesame Workshop, which makes uh, Sesame Street, uh, the PBS program with uh, Almo and Big Bird and uh, Grouch. So there's a lot of technology in play there, is there? Yeah, because they're doing a lot more work with uh, trying to engage with kids through multimedia and apps and doing a lot more of that through online because obviously the media landscape is fragmenting everywhere and it's also fragmenting for kids they want to play on their iPads and stuff. So we're going to hear about that from Noah. Ah, good, good. Oh well, I'll uh, yeah. I think people will look forward to uh, look forward to that. Should be uh, should be good. Now, the ITEX conference. Uh, what's the what's the sort of target audience for this? It's sort of a, a, a business audience, isn't it? It is. It's a lot about enterprise IT, but we have developers coming to talk about um, agile. A lot of open source. Uh, we have a couple of open source presentations, and basically anybody who's working in IT for their business, they're coming along. Uh, I think it might be too late to buy tickets now, but if you do, we'll be having coverage throughout the day on Computer World and through Twitter, and uh, we'll have videos up later, and, uh, you know, come along next year if you kind of make it this year. That's yeah, because it's a different size venue this year, isn't it, because it yeah. was just Sky City uh, last time around, yeah. and of course now we've got the big conference center. Well, I think we made a decision to move down to the Viaduct because it's just a bit different and uh, a little bit cooler. Uh, yeah, it's a very cool space, isn't it? Yeah, that's where they have in the fashion week. I know we won't be as well dressed, but um, hopefully it'll be just as fun. Okay, okay, all right. Thanks for that. Uh, and oh, you're uh, you're going to be in, involved there along with um, Zara Baxter from uh, from PC World doing uh, doing a session as well. Yeah, we'll be talking about consumer technology used in business and just the cool gadgets of the year. We've got all the gadgets that PC World have hidden away in the little laboratory behind uh, our building. So we've got a year's worth of cool gadgets to show you and a couple of cool things from next year, hopefully. Oh, good. And have you got your hands on a uh, on a Surface yet? No, I haven't had a, any go with Surfaces. I know the people who went to Microsoft Build Conference uh, over the last week, 
got a Surface and a Windows 8 phone and stuff. The only thing I've been able to play with right now is the uh, Samsung Ative smart PC, which is kind of like a hybrid tablet laptop and kind of unhinge it and become the tablet. Yeah, that, that's a pretty cool one, and it's it's really the only one available in the in the, in the local market in that uh, you know hybrid space. I think that runs um, uh, runs Intel CPU that's available at the moment. Oh, there's also the um, Acer product as well, uh, which which we had a look at about a, a month or so back. So yeah, and there's a whole bunch more, I guess I guess coming. So um, yeah. Bit of an interesting uh, time actually, seeing all these new products come through and and really new ways of uh, you know of being able to operate the tablets with this hybrid type technology. Yes, um, what it really reminds me of is the ASUS Transformer Prime. I don't know if you've had a play with that. Uh, there are two generations of it, and it's been my absolute favorite Android tablet to date. I think they've well, it's quite unique, isn't it? And and that you know it, really, yeah. it, I mean. It probably hasn't won a huge amount of you know market share uh, with Android not being so uh, you know desktop sort of focused as an, as an OS, but yeah, you know, pretty unique device having the uh, the keyboard and the tablet sort of um, you know able to come together like that. Yeah, and I think what a real major selling point of these kind of devices are, apart from the productivity gains from a keyboard, a physical keyboard with uh, a bit of a travel and islanding, is the fact that these keyboards themselves are extra battery packs. So. Uh, for instance, on the AFC, you get about eight hours battery life, supposedly, on the actual uh, tablet face side. But if, once you connect it to the dock, you get an additional ten hours, supposedly. Uh, now, lots going on, you know, in, in that tablet space in general. We've seen some interesting numbers through uh, IDC, have published some numbers saying that uh, Apple's share of the tablet market has uh, dropped down from, you know, pretty much owning it when they launched the iPad. Uh, they're now down to 50.4%, which is a bit of a shock, isn't it? It seems like it. I mean, I'm trying to think of the competitors out there. I guess there'd just be the share number of Android devices coming through and people just picking up sub $700 or $600 or $600 tablets because it's a lot cheaper than the flagship $800 iPads. Yeah, exactly, and I, th- and I think, you know, now seeing, seeing these stats through from IDC, uh, you know, sheds, sheds some light on uh, the importance of Apple releasing the iPad mini into the market and having a, uh, you know, a lower entry point into, uh, uh, into, into their, uh, their tablets. Uh, how much exactly is the iPad mini going to be selling for in New Zealand? Because it, it is a lower end device, you could say, but I think yeah, it's, it's four hundred seventy nine dollars. So uh, it's you know it's still not exactly a low end device, then is it? It's kind of a mid range uh, Android tablet for that kind of a price. It, it's well, well, it's interesting because at the moment the uh, you know its main competitor has, has you know would, in the Android space would have been the Nexus Seven. Which has a retail price in the New Zealand market of uh, four hundred and thirty nine dollars. So not a huge difference between those prices, uh, mainly because in many ways the uh, the Nexus Seven you could probably say is overpriced uh, in the New Zealand market when you consider you know, exchange rates and so on. Uh, whereas now Apple sort of seems to be the shipping, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few factors in there, but Apple seems to be lining up their prices a bit more closely internationally now. 
which is great, you know, I think great for New Zealand buyers to know we're not paying a, you know, a really big premium for, uh, for that product. And, you know, there was a time when, uh, we paid a huge premium for Apple product in New Zealand and through a number of factors, uh, we've, we've seen that, uh, reduce. Now, so, yeah, iPad Mini, uh, that seems to be selling really well. In fact, you know, we, we hear that, uh, there have been 3 million iPads sold, uh, since, since the iPad Mini went, went on sale, uh, last Friday. Of course, it wasn't just the iPad Mini that those numbers include. Also the, uh, fourth generation, uh, iPad, uh, which comes in at about twice as fast as the, uh, the iPad 3 or the third generation, uh, iPad. So, you know, people obviously, uh, you know, jumping on board with, with these new products and probably a mix of, uh, of sales between the mini and, uh, the, the fourth generation iPad. Yeah, uh, it kind of seems to me you could put an Apple sticker on a potato right now and you get a similar sort of response. <laughs> That's not my joke. I probably stole that from somewhere, but yeah, you kind of give me what I mean, right? I, uh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I've heard that before. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it is interesting how much weight that the Apple brand, uh, you know, does, does carry in the market. But I think, you know, there 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 tends to be a reason for the products that that they sell a lot of. Uh, that you know, there tends to be a reason, and you know, they're not selling. I guess, uh, you know, such huge, huge numbers of things such as the Apple TV, uh, but they price that now at such a point where it's an easy add-on accessory for, you know, anyone with a, with an iPhone, an iPad, or, you know, an iPod Touch, etc. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure I, I quite agree with that, but I, I would certainly agree with the point that, uh, you know, the Apple brand, uh, you know, having that associated with a product is a good thing. Uh, but you know there are there are usually things that come with that in terms of uh, you know how it fits into you know to to Apple's ecosystem and and how the various products work together. Uh, but you know that that said, we're starting to see uh, similar things really across you know Google's offerings and Microsoft's offerings, uh, just in terms of how tightly that all of these uh, bits and pieces fit together. You know PCs, tablets, phones, and 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 cloud storage. Uh, you know, online music stores, you know, these things are starting to really work, uh, quite nicely. I, uh, I actually, uh, set up an iPhone 5 the other day, um, which I shouldn't admit, but, uh, this thing is so small that I actually mislaid it for, uh, for about four days. Uh, I was very pleased when I found it again, I've got to say. Apple PR will not be happy with that, Paul. Well, yeah, but I've got it again, so they 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 will get it back in due course. But it's a 64 gig unit, so I didn't really want to have to stump up 1349 dollars to yeah to to pay for that. So quite pleased I found it. But one of the nice things that I I hadn't come across before actually was their their podcast application, which of course is one of the things that that I'll I'll always test on a on a smartphone platform. And uh, as I fired it up, it, uh, it came up and said, "Hey, do you want to uh, import the, the you know the podcast that you had on your previous uh, iPhone?" And so that was really nice. It just brought those uh, those podcast subscriptions across for me. Uh, and we're starting to see you know more and more of these sorts of uh, you know uh, features that come through from uh, you know the, the cloud connection associated with uh, you know with with each vendor. So that was just one little little example I I came across. Um, on the flip side, talking of uh, of listening to podcasts, uh, we've got the new Windows Phone 8 about to ship, and uh, 
Uh, I, I had hands on uh, last week with the Samsung A2S, which is uh, their, I guess, their Galaxy S3 um, hardware. Uh, in many ways, just sort of modded to run uh, Windows Phone 8 and tweaked a little bit. Very nice uh, equipment. Uh, and I put online on windowsphone.nz.com uh, a bunch of uh, screenshots from that. But one of the things I noticed is that uh, here we are two years down the track with Windows Phone and it doesn't seem to support a podcast marketplace for the New Zealand uh, market. So, yeah, very disappointing actually. Uh, that so there's no like native podcast player, is that what you're saying? Uh, there's or? a podcast player, but to, uh, to and, and Windows Phone has very good capabilities for being able to go in and subscribe to podcasts and have them wirelessly synced down to your device. Uh, but if your uh, Windows account or, or Live ID is not a US one, uh, then that functionality seems to be disabled. Uh, so if you look through my screenshots, you'll see some with a podcast. Uh, you know, one screenshot shows the podcast option in the marketplace. That's when I'm uh, logged in with a US ID, and then I reset the device and used it with my New Zealand ID, and I found that the uh, podcast uh, marketplace was uh, missing in action. So, yeah, I had heard from somebody at Microsoft um, uh, in, in Redmond about that some months ago, and they sort of said, watch this space. Uh, so I'd sort of... Uh, possibly incorrectly assumed that uh, that, that functionality was was you know was going to be sorted. There, you know, I can't really see any any fair reason why uh, why they would disable that outside of the US, especially considering they now have their uh, you know their music subscriptions and, and many many other features available globally. So. Yeah, pretty disappointed at that one, to uh, to be fair. So Yeah, it seems strange that they can sort out 30 million music licenses for their music service, but they can't seem to make that podcast service work, which you'd think would be a lot easier than having to do with EMI and Sony. Yes, but, yeah, I, I think so. So I'll, I'll try and get some more info through on that. I, I haven't actually put it to Microsoft yet. Uh, in terms of what's happening, and, and it could just be the pre, uh, pre-release version of the, the, the software that was on that, on that phone. Um, so uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one up in the year until, until we get exact confirmation, but you know, th- this close to uh, um, you know, launch, uh, you know, I would have picked they would have that stuff lined up because certainly the Xbox music capabilities will turn on for, uh, uh, for New Zealand in, in there as well. So... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see on that one. Uh, it does seem as though uh, we will we will be getting some announcements through on uh, on Windows Phone 8 uh, launch for New Zealand um, within uh, within the next, next fortnight. So uh, we'll have some clearer clearer picture um, by then. Now, uh, something else interesting just from uh, from from looking at some of these uh, music subscription services, and of course we've got. Uh, uh, Spotify, and you know we've got downloads uh, that we can do through iTunes and so on. Um, some of the, are there uh, any particular music services that uh, that you've been using lately? Uh, Spotify mainly. Yeah, uh, it's just been quite easy going through that and getting on, uh, getting that mentality from downloading things through my iTunes account to just streaming things when I need to. Uh, I haven't been listening to it as much lately, and I've kind of let that account lapse. Uh, because I'm kind of, I spend more, most of my time listening to podcasts like your own show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'd say Spotify is probably my main music source right now. 
Okay, good. Well, something I came across uh, that I was really surprised about. Now, you know, I've been using these services uh, in various forms for a few years, and I was given a, a, a list of songs by my wife that she uh, she wanted um, wanted me to you know purchase. And we've got a uh, an old uh, what was a Zoom uh, music subscription, which is now the Xbox Music. Uh, and the older subscription, in addition to the unlimited streaming, lets you uh, pull down ten tracks as MP3s to sort you know keep uh, permanently. And uh, so there was a pretty obscure list of sort of you know uh, electronic music and, and and so on from you know various artists around the world. And I thought, oh, you know, I wonder how many of these are we, are we actually going to be able to find on there. And I also looked on uh, on iTunes as well. And I will try and have a look and see what the this hit rate was on Spotify. Uh, but what I found was that nine out of the ten uh, uh, tracks were available uh, through Xbox Music as well as on uh, on iTunes. Uh, in fact, there was one that was on iTunes but not on Xbox, but only because it had just been released and iTunes must have some sort of uh, exclusive deal on that track. So, uh, you know, no doubt that one will become available um, you know, on, on Xbox in the next few weeks. But it's, it's really pleasing to see just the, the size of the music catalogues um, that uh, you know that we have have now. You know, certainly going back a year or two, you'd look at an online music catalogue, and there would just be such huge amounts of music, uh, especially new, newish music um, that just wasn't available. So, yeah, really, uh, really pleasing if you're a music fan that it's it's much much easier to get hold of uh, of, of good tunes now. Yeah, it, it used to be again just oh, let's go to iTunes. We we have to go to iTunes. But now we've got a lot more choice and a lot more choice between either keeping the songs on our hard drives or iPods or whatever, or just streaming it when we need to, uh, kind of an on-demand service. Um, I think Paul Muckleston, who's the GM of uh, Microsoft New Zealand, was saying that the Xbox Music Store has 30 million tracks, and that also includes uh, a lot of New Zealand artists. So uh, good on Microsoft for getting onto that actually. Yeah, it's good that they finally got there. I thought it was disappointing that it took them uh, took them so long uh, because you know they've had their music service really in, in varying forms for, for for many 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 years. But uh, now that it's uh, you know that it's here in conjunction with uh, with Windows 8, it, uh, it it looks it looks extremely good and it's great to have that uh, yeah available you know officially in the New Zealand market without having to jump through extra hoops. Uh, now on to uh, on to a bit of Google news. Uh, la- last week we had the news around uh, the new Google Nexus uh, devices, the Nexus uh, 10, which is their new tablet, uh, the Nexus uh, 4, which is their new smartphone in the US. And just been, I guess, watching a lot of the comments and the and the news come through on on those from uh, uh, previews internationally. Now we haven't had our hands on these yet, but. Really, the, the Nexus 10 as a tablet is just, I think, quite fascinating uh, because we're we're hearing um, some some really, um, yeah, I guess you know, positive feedback on it in terms of its capabilities. Uh, it's being produced by Samsung, uh, but it's got a very very high resolution screen, um, higher than a full HD TV, uh, but on a on a 10 inch uh, screen uh, and uh, 1.9 megapixel front facing camera. Um, so, you know, overall it's got pretty high specs. It's coming in at US 399. So, you know, that's, um, that's a pretty sort of sharp price point, isn't it? Compared, certainly compared to, uh, you know, some of the other offerings in the market, particularly what, what Apple are doing. So you're, you're quite a fan of Android tablets. How do you think this is going to 
going to go? Um, and any estimations on what you think the New Zealand price will be when it hits here? Uh, in terms of the actual device itself, it, firstly, it looks like a pretty great device. It's a bit thicker. It looks a bit thicker than um, an iPad or something similar like that. But uh, the screen size is uh, the screen resolution is, as you said, two five six zero by sixteen hundred, which is three hundred pixels per inch. Uh, that's not quite what you know Apple claims is the Retina display screen, but it's very. It, it sounds like it's going to be a very beautiful screen to look at. Um, in terms of the pricing, if we try to translate US 399 uh, plus all the yeah, what I call being in New Zealand taxes, uh, we'll probably be seeing this here at about 700 or $800, which will, again, like the Nexus 7, be quite competitive in uh, the New Zealand landscape, I think. Also, this will probably be one of the Android tablets I'll look towards getting. It will have... Uh, Android 4.2, which I don't think is named yet. We were trying to figure that out just before. It doesn't have a name like Jelly Bean or anything like that. Yeah, uh, or it might be that it's just, uh, I think it's still being called Jelly Bean, even though it's gone from 4.1 to 4.2. Uh, they are still just calling it uh, Jelly Bean, so it keeps, okay. that, uh, keeps that same name. So, uh, yeah, um, a, little bit, a little bit odd when they change the name from Four point, you know, O is ice cream sandwich to, uh, you know, jelly bean for four point one. That there's not another name for four point two, but maybe that's just a reflection. It's not such a big, uh, it's not such a big update. So uh, then there's the Nexus Four, which is the uh, the smartphone, the, the Android phone, which is a four point seven inch screen, uh, and it's made by LG. Uh, what do you think of that, Paul? Have you have you yeah. seen that? Uh, well, we haven't had any hands on yet, but uh, certainly. The, the pricing of it sounds pretty competitive, 299 US to buy it outright. Uh, so depending on what that is, if and when it lands in the New Zealand market, and again, it's not clear that that actually will become officially available here. Uh, but, you know, if we translate that uh, those dollars uh, and bump on a little bit of tax and so on, you'd be talking, uh, you know, could be 450 New Zealand dollars uh, to to buy what is a, effectively a fairly uh, fairly high-end uh, phone uh, with an HD uh, HD screen, so uh, yeah, not not a not a bad deal at all uh, for those looking for uh, you know for a, a big screen headset. Uh, now moving along uh, locally, there's been there's been a whole bunch of activity really in the uh, telecommunications space. Uh, now, some you reported on Computer World, I think, or uh, you know, one of your reporters did around uh, Snap launching a one terabyte data plan. Now, it wasn't so many months ago that that you know, uh, you know, we, we had some discussions here on the podcast about the frustrations of the low data caps in New Zealand, uh, about the uh, annoyance that in Australia we were seeing 500 gig or one terabyte data plans available you know, on the other side of the Tasman. Uh, but here in New Zealand, we've now got this uh, one terabyte data plan for Internet users uh, from uh, Snap for $145. We've also got a number of uh, Internet providers offering unlimited Internet, uh, with Orcon coming in with their $99 offering uh, for um, you know, ADSL and ultra-fast broadband users. So yeah, quite a bit of activity in that space. And, of course, Telecom, who recently launched their... Uh, 500 gig uh, data plan for $119. I mean, these are some pretty major data caps, aren't they? It's uh, almost seems like it's uh, more data than uh, than any average, uh, 
you know, home, home could use. What do you think? Um, I think a lot of this came from the initial Orcon uh, one terabyte announcement, which got a lot of traction and kind of became this big force in the, the technology community. People were saying, one terabyte, wow, Orcon's getting this. Where's Vodafone's deal? Where's Telecom's deal? Where's Telstra Clear's deal? And people have been trying to come, come up with their own solutions for that. Uh, just to let the listeners at home know what this one terabyte option on Snap is like, uh, it's an add-on pack to their like, to their basic packages, and that's for ADSL. Uh, Snap is one of the few ISPs doing VDSL right now, and it's also for the UFP customers. So um, on a for 25 gigs on their basic pack is 70 bucks. Then you add uh, uh, sorry, it's 75 dollars. So then you add a 70 dollar add-on uh, one terabyte pack, and that's how you get 145 a month. Uh, their CEO has said that this won't be, this uh, add-on pack won't be uh, in any way throttled or their package is being shaped, which is pretty good because it isn't a fair use policy or anything like that, kind of limiting what they're saying is one terabyte of data, uh, which sounds like a great deal to me. Um, as somebody who's doing a lot of photography now, if I was on this plan, I could actually back up my 30 megabyte raw files to an online service without freaking out that I won't be able to watch any more Downton Abbey for the week. <laughs> are you a big Downton Abbey uh, fan, are you? We won't admit it to anyone here. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, well, you know, one, one terabyte, you know, getting up to those, those sort of figures does really change the way that we can use internet in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, we've had guests on the show before who, you know, have talked about using five or ten gigabytes in a month. Uh, you know, my... My usage certainly, uh, you know, varies, uh, but, you know, I've, I've been on uh, Vodafone plans and, you know, theirs just don't go anywhere near as high as, as some of these uh, caps that we're now uh, now starting to hear about. Um, so, yeah, I'll be uh, certainly looking to uh, to follow up with them and, and, and see what they've got coming. Now, of course, also in the news, uh, the last week or so, and, and uh, I think this has probably been just announced before the last podcast, but we may have run out of time to cover it, was that uh, Vodafone's acquisition of Telstra Clear uh, has been uh, approved by the Commerce Commission, and that's going through. I think it's uh, somewhere in the range of $860 million uh, uh, a buyout, so it's uh, it's pretty big numbers. What sort of impact do you think that's going to have on uh, uh, internet use and, and, and telecommunications use in New Zealand, Sim? Uh, Telstra Clear have a very strong infrastructure network in New Zealand. They've got a lot of uh, cables in the ground right now. That's something that Vodafone doesn't have much access to at the moment. It can buy on top or lease on top of existing uh, Infrastructure, which it already does with Telstra Clear. Uh, what this does is let it really compete with Telecom, which has had um, a lot of infrastructure for a long time, and um, also just probably brings in a lot of customers from uh, Telstra Clear's cachet. Uh, how do I see it affecting Internet users in New Zealand? I'm, I'm not thinking it will affect us very well. As in, I don't think it will be a positive effect. I, I, I'm very much doubt that we'll be getting cheaper internet, uh, cheaper broadband packages through this, but um, it might let Vodafone compete better on a business level for because I think that's where they're trying to aim this, trying to get more business customers because they can now offer a fixed line component to their 
uh, business customers, which normally had a more uh, mobile component. Do you think it's going to make it harder for the smaller providers to really compete in the New Zealand market? Uh, you know, because we've got a number of smaller ISPs, uh, you know, and we're now going to have two really, really big players with, with telecom and, and Vodafone, uh, you know, taking the lion's share of the market. Will that, uh, you know, in some way make it harder for, the, for these uh, small ones, do you think, or, or should, will that not be affected? It's funny that you mentioned that. I was just talking to, before I came on here, to David Ware, who's the CEO of uh, uh, Team Talk, which has CityLink in Wellington, which is an ISP there. Um, what he said to me was the ISPs, the small ones, have to either get big, get niche, or get out. And I think that this comes into that. There's a lot of um, infrastructure being put up by these companies that are either getting out from this ISP game and these small ISPs even need to get large enough to make this a commodity play where they become dumb pipes that can afford to be a dumb pipe because of their scale, or they become niche players like rural, uh, providing rural or uh, small business or providing services on the side of it. Um, I think that's where it's going to happen, where we're going to have these two giant, uh, Telecom and Vodafone, providing the main uh, chunk of the service to New Zealand, and these small players will either die off or merge together to become boutique players. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly when you get the sort of scale that both of the, uh, you know, Telecom and Vodafone have, uh, much easier for them, for instance, to justify spending money on uh, television commercials and, and other sorts of promotion, you know, than a player that might be a tenth or, or less of, uh, you know, of, of the size of each of those companies. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's, it's going to be some interesting times ahead, and, and I hope that there isn't too much of a negative fallout. Now, uh, we've also just recently had the announcement uh, that uh, Orcon is going to be uh, merging with its parent company Cordia in terms of their internet services. And uh, Scott Bartlett, who's the CEO of, of Orcon, will take over running the, uh, you know, the, the network side of, uh, of the merge sort of Cordia and, uh, and, and, and Orcon unit. Uh, and we've already heard that as, as uh, part of that process, they, uh, they've, they've laid off a number of staff already, and I believe they're outsourcing uh, call centre, or a lot of their call centre and, and support uh, capabilities to the Philippines. Yes, so they have about 50 often call center positions that are going to uh, Datacom's Manila call center. Uh, earlier this year, they actually moved quite a few jobs there. Uh, around 20 to 30 people were hired in the Philippines specifically to run the call center there. Um, interestingly, at, uh, at that time, Scott Boutler told Computer World that uh, that decision would not mean there would be any job losses and what would happen to our, the Auckland and New Zealand team would they, they become specialized problem solvers, which would be uh, people who deal with uh, escalated problems and do a lot more of the uh, carried-on services. So it seems like that attitude has changed, where now that Cordia is consolidating its network, uh, its network staff, it's just become easier and cheaper for them to run things out of the Philippines. I don't think this will be a good move for... Cordia, in terms of customer service, they had a horrible time of it during the Genius launch. Uh, it was quite a big, uh, quite a big story that at the time that people were just getting fed up how long they're waiting or of mistakes or their units being sent to the wrong place and having to deal with Philippines uh, staff there. 
So uh, I'm not sure it would be a good move for them in terms of customer service. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I've, I've dealt with them uh, and with, with Vodafone during uh, some, some UFB issues uh, that, I, that I had some, uh, some weeks back. Uh, and yeah, their, their, their support, I, I actually found it to be, uh, you know, to be fine. Uh, you know, Vodafone was interesting. Uh, maybe it was the number I was calling in on, uh, but uh, by about the fifth call, it started to my head in because uh, uh, Tiki Tane seemed to be uh, uh, playing on repeat on their on hold music, and I was on hold for a fair long time. Maybe it wasn't on on repeat, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, it was uh, his Always On My Mind song was the first track to come on as soon as you got through to their support desk. Um, a small thing I know, but uh, once you've heard it, you know, that many times, uh, uh, what may have once been a good song, uh, yeah, starts to uh, starts to annoy you. Uh, anyway, mo- moving on, uh, gaming, uh, oh, actually, there's a couple more things on the, on the um, communication, telecommunications front. Uh, now, Vodafone have announced some prepay uh, mobile offerings that they've been pushing on the on the news this week, or on sorry on TV, uh, getting behind and really promoting these. Uh, now, th- this is quite interesting. Uh, if you top up with twenty dollars, uh, you get a big bonus pack of uh, of data, two hundred fifty megs worth of data, uh, and a bunch of uh, SMS messages to use as well. I think it's uh, uh, two and a half. Uh, thousand uh, text messages with their uh, freebie data bundle or if you top up $30 you get 500 megs uh, uh, worth of data and 5,000 texts. Now initially this looked like an incredible deal to me uh, because they've also got their $19 uh, you know, prepay package so uh, my understanding was how hey, you, you spend your $20 you get that bonus and then you use the 19 out of your $20 to go on to uh, uh, their, uh, their one of their nineteen dollar prepaid bundles, but it, it turns out that uh, um, these top up packs are actually considered a plan unto themselves. You can't actually uh, have both. So, so essentially, you'd buy twenty dollars of Vodafone credit, and what you would get is the two hundred fifty megabytes and two thousand five hundred texts. Is, is that what I'm getting? Because that sounds like a pretty poor plan, if you ask me. Well, you still get the twenty dollars to spend, right? Oh, so, okay. so yeah. you still got the twenty dollars. So that's the difference. So, uh, but you're limited to spending the twenty dollars on, uh, you know, pay-as-you-go type services. So, you so like twenty cent text. And uh, yeah, I think it's twelve cents per additional text and forty-nine uh-huh. cents a minute for calls. Uh, so, you know, in, in, in light of that, you know, it probably is a really good deal. But I, I guess, uh, you know, until I'd read the fine print, it, it looked as though you could uh, add a uh, add a add a plan as well, uh, but that is considered a you know a plan itself. So uh, yeah. Now um, there was one more thing in the in the space of telecommunications, and that was uh, some comments from Kim.com over the weekend. Now you've been in touch with Kim.com, uh, Sim, so. Maybe you can fill us a little bit in on this story because I know the mainstream media have been uh, covering it, but uh, you've probably got a few more, a few more facts, a few things uh, uh, direct from your uh, your communications with uh, with Kim.com. So maybe you can fill us in on that picture. Yeah. So on Sunday, the Herald, uh, the Herald on Sunday reported that Kim.com wanted to resurrect the failed Pacific Fibre internet cable, which goes from New Zealand through Sydney to LA 
and then comes back through uh, the islands and back to New Zealand. Um, uh, what they also said was that he wanted to provide free internet for everybody in New Zealand, free broadband internet. That's not quite exactly what uh, .com was saying. Uh, when we were talk, uh, talking on email, he was saying that what he, he's actually going to be doing is providing uh, the ISP's option of uh, not having to pay for residential connections and instead paying for uh, government and business connections because the ISP still have infrastructure on the last mile connecting them to your house and all the overhead of uh, maintaining their large businesses. They'll still need to obviously charge the customers. There's never going to be free internet. Uh, nobody's going to get that in New Zealand. I oh, come on. I want free internet. Give it to me now. <laughs> give it to me. Uh, Tim.com, give me free internet. Right now. I know, right? Uh, he's such a darn bad guy for not giving us free internet right now. I mean, so, re- realistically, I mean, how, how, I mean, you know, how can he make these claims? Well, from what I can tell, all his money is sort of locked up, sort of, uh, or a large portion of it, uh, you know, legally anyway. I guess this is sort of pending all sorts of... Uh, uh, court cases, we have heard, I think, a copy that he said uh, he would pay for this out of suing the uh, uh, the, uh, the U.S. government, U.S. Over US government, and, uh, and and U.S. sort of right rights holders that have uh, been taking this uh, this case against him. Uh, but do you do you really think it's realistic? I mean, you know, how could you measure and tell? Uh, you know, which of an ISP's data was, uh, you know, was business and which was personal, what would be the motivation for, uh, you know, for, for any uh, business, uh, which Pacific Fiber would have to be a business to, to exist that could pay its own way, what would be the motivation for them to give away, you know, a large chunk, if not the large majority, uh, of uh, you know of their data for uh, for free that would make the business model break wouldn't it I can't see how that would add up or, I don't think or is there a bit more to getting, it than what we getting would. there is a, would be a massive challenge and it's up getting to that point where you would even be thinking about the charging model getting an actual cable from New Zealand to the US for instance is it going to be incredibly difficult and incredibly um, costly. Well, uh, the Pacific Fiber exercise would have been about $400 million. Yeah. They, they fell short on that, and that had high-profile investors like Sam Morgan and um, Rod Drury. These are skilled people with a lot of knowledge and what it takes to raise money. They couldn't get there. Uh, Drury over, I think it was today or yesterday, was saying the only way a second cable would work right now is if we have some sort of private-public partnership. We, the reason the Pacific Fiber cable failed in the first place is there wasn't enough domestic uh, investment in the cable. And uh, he, he, one of the companies or investment agencies that he thinks should have invested was uh, the superannuation fund, which invests in things like uh, Shell, uh, sorry, not Shell anymore, Infratil and Z Energy. So that's the major hurdle. And because Pacific Fiber actually failed in the first place, it's left that stink in this environment. Why would these companies who signed up in the first instance, like both of them did, Rians, which is the uh, education network, they did as well. So why would these companies sign up again, having to go through the same hassle again, having to get their uh, legal fees sorted again? Uh, there is one argument, which is, well, it's .com. He has a lot of clout. He has uh, a lot of connections. If anyone could do it, it's him. That's still... Uh, up in the air, and also there's the fact that, like you're saying, his money is tied up, and suing the U.S. government isn't something that would happen in the next 
one or two years, it'd be something that would carry on for many years as the trial went through its paces. And, so, and also we know that uh, it's actually pretty hard to get approval to put a, a cable into uh, into the US. And we heard, you know, one of the issues uh, that that uh, Pacific Fibre ran into was some Chinese investment they were looking at and that that was potentially going to impact uh, whether whether you, the US would allow, uh, you know, this, this internet cable from, uh, from New Zealand uh, to, to actually connect to the US. And, uh, you know, given uh, Kim.com's reputation with the US government, uh, you know, I would be uh, highly sceptical about them uh, allowing a Kim.com, uh, you know, backed, uh, you know, internet connection uh, into the US. It just, it just seems... Uh, well, it seems a little bit far-fetched to me, and I, I, I guess... I don't want to poo-poo dot com's idea. No, no, no. Well, that, that's <laughs> true. I, I wouldn't want to either, but it just, it just seems a bit, uh, a bit over the top, and, you know, is it a publicity stunt? I guess that's, that's the big question I've got for you. Is it a publicity stunt, or sure. do you think there's some, uh, there is some real solid, uh, solid list to this thing, and uh, it's something we could see happen in the next 12 to 24 months? It, it, possibly, it most likely is some sort of publicity stuff, but then again, if we get a second internet cable out of it, isn't that a good thing? I think Paul Brislin, uh, 2N CEO, he was saying this could be a defining moment for technology scene in New Zealand. We could be a cloud provider hub if we can get this to work properly. And I think there's two things. We should be skeptical, but at the same time, we shouldn't be cutting him down at his knees if there is a way that we can get a second cable out of this. That's true. That's true. Um, fair enough. And we don't want to be uh, guilty of uh, uh, the tall poppy syndrome here either, do we? No, not at all. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Kim, we're right behind it. If you can get this thing off the ground, uh, then uh, we're right behind you on it. So um, uh, keep us in the loop. Now, iPhone 5, we've just heard uh, in the last couple of weeks... Uh, first of all, Telecom said, uh, I think shortly before the last, um, before our last show, we mentioned this, that the iPhone 5 was available off contract, prepay, etc. Uh, and the last few days, Vodafone have confirmed they've done the same thing. So anyone that's been uh, hanging out, wanting to get their hands on an, on an iPhone 5 can now actually walk into a store and, uh, and pick one up. And uh, Telecom have taken the unusual tack of selling it uh, below its retail price, below the, uh, or certainly for the uh, 16 gig model, uh, below the price you can buy it off Apple. So uh, a good way of them attracting a, a few extra uh, people into their uh, into their stores. Uh, now on the iPhone 5 front, uh, we have on our uh, nztechpodcast.com site, uh, we have the new video that we just launched in the last few days uh, of our NZ Tech Podcast mobile speed test or mobile speed challenge, and what we did was we took some iPhone 5s uh, out to the streets and, uh, and we compared New Zealand's mobile networks to see who could come up with uh, the fastest internet, and uh, we pitted Telecom uh, against Two Degrees and, and Vodafone. So, uh, so that's up there online now if you want to see who's got the fastest, uh, fastest network. Now, also on the telecommunications front... Um, one of the things that we've, we've had issues with for quite a number of years is the challenge of travelling overseas and the uh, crazy prices we've been paying for uh, data while we're roaming with our, you know, with our, uh, you know, New Zealand SIM cards. In a lot of cases, uh, you know, I've certainly resorted to getting a local SIM card in the country that I've been uh, I've been visiting. 
Now, some you've uh, you've written up some stuff. I think covered this for uh, for Computer World around the uh, the new offerings from Vodafone and the um, uh, and this Sorry, the roaming charges. Yeah, roaming roaming charges and the associated uh, uh, data costs. Now, Vodafone have jumped in and uh, have have quite an aggressive new offering into the market. Am I correct there? Uh, to a point, I would say it's more of something they should have been doing a long time ago, which is uh, helping their customers not having to face these giant bills that they didn't know they were signing up for. So what they're doing is they're extending their uh, coverage for their data angel uh, service, which uh, tells a user when they're going over their allocated uh, data bundle. Uh, at the moment, it's only for domestic users, but now uh, it's available for uh, international roaming. So at 80% of your data bundle, it'll send you a message saying, look, you're at 80%, you're coming to your end. Then at 100%, it'll shut off your data use and take you to a website where you can choose to buy more or uh, choose to opt out of uh, spending any more money on data. But these new data bundles are, uh, well, they're new, aren't they? These data bundles haven't been around for, you know, previously we we were paying you know, uh, casual rates in general for uh, for data, uh, but now we can buy them in these uh, these big blocks for you know semi reasonable sort of prices. Reasonable in terms of the daylight robbery that's been <laughs> before. Uh, Certainly I, on the Australian market. Obviously, there there are you know there are parts of the world where uh, where the where the rates are uh, quite expensive, but they've split into three zones, haven't they? Zone one. Uh, which is Australia, and you can buy 100 megs there for $15. Uh, you can buy 500 megs for $50. Which, when you you know look at that, bumping $50 onto your um, you know um, onto your account for 500 megs worth of data would would cover a lot of trips and certainly a bit, bit easier than going out and buying a prepay uh, mobile. And if we look at their Zone Two, which covers free Fiji, uh, Europe, Asia, and USA, which is you know, a pretty large majority of the uh, main other places that, that, that people will, uh, will, you know, travel on a regular basis. Uh, we've got 40 megs of data for $15, 100 megs of data for uh, uh, for $30, and 200 megs of data for uh, for $50. Now, I think before we were paying $10 per meg in most of those locations. So, for instance, that, uh, you know, 100 megs for $30, previously that would have been $1,000. Yeah, so it is a big cut, isn't it? And we have a similar problem. This isn't this isn't out of charity for New Zealanders, obviously. This is because they don't want to have this part of their uh, revenue be regulated by the government. Um, I I don't often praise Amy Adams or uh, which who's our ICT minister, but this is something that they've been working on quite a bit with her uh, Australian counterpart. I forgot his name right now, but. Basically, it's come down to a list of suggestions, and about eight of the suggestions are regulation. Right. So, Vodafone, Two Degrees, and Telecom don't step up. They'll have to then answer to the government, go through regulation, which will limit their ability to make money off of this. And be assured, this is a huge revenue stream for the telcos. Uh, overseas roaming charges is incredibly important to them. I know that when Two Degrees started up, they had a line of cell towers coming from the airport to town just so they can get that initial uh, travelers onto their network and get that 
Right, for those from, from, from other countries, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, oh, that, that's interesting to see. Now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, I wonder whether Vodafone are in a much better position to do this than Telecom in two degrees, uh, being a global company. Uh, you know, they, they already, uh, you know, they, they have their own networks in Australia and, uh, you know, many other parts of the world. So, you know, I wonder whether that's helped facilitate this. Uh, or maybe their, their global, uh, you know, presence has made it easier to negotiate this. I imagine for two degrees, for instance, uh, that would be a harder thing for them to achieve. We, I mean, we have heard some rumours of, of two degrees being uh, snapped up by a, by a bigger company, uh, although, uh, you know, we don't know whether that's actually a, a re- reality or not. We haven't heard any more about that in the last uh, few weeks since we first, or last, last heard a rumour of those sorts. So, uh, um, I guess this is another space to uh, to watch, but at the moment, if you're uh, someone that's travelling regularly, uh, Vodafone are definitely uh, you know out there with with the best uh, roaming options. And I mean, from my perspective, certainly looking at those at those rates, I'll be yeah I'll be considering yeah how how important is it for me to have a US SIM card, for instance, next time uh, you know next time I'm up in the US. Uh, you know, from the Australian side, yeah, that those those offerings are pretty even better. So, pretty my tip to anybody going to Australia: get the fifteen dollar Optus SIM card. You get, I think, unlimited uh, data, quite slow, but uh, unlimited for seven days. Oh, that's so pretty cool. That's what I did last time I went there, and uh, that's what I'll continue to do until you know, Photophone, Telecom, and Two Degrees don't keep trying to take money straight out of my pocket. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now. Uh, and the gaming, uh, the gaming side of things, uh, there was a big product launch in the last few days, a, uh, and a game that you've been uh, you've been playing a bit off. Tell us about that. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but Halo 4 was launched this morning. Uh, it's the fourth edition of Halo, uh, the, probably the best FPS game on Xbox. I know I'll probably get a lot of emails from Modern Warfare and Battlefield people telling me, what are you talking about? You're such a noob. Get the F out of here. But Halo is probably the quintessential Xbox game for me. It's what got me onto the system. And last night, uh, Halo 4 was launched in New Zealand. 650 people turned up at EB Games in Botany Town Center in Auckland for the launch, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, I didn't realize we had so many fans for this franchise in New Zealand. And which just means that tonight when I start playing multiplayer for the first time, since the two weeks I've had the game, I'll actually have people to play with, which is great. That's cool. So, oh, very nice. You've had it for two two weeks. The uh, the perks of being uh, of being in the media, right? Yeah, except I don't actually review games. I just kind of ask for it, and uh, I look pathetic enough that they oblige. Well done. So, well done. You Microsoft or whoever it was that let me the game. Yeah. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll be keen to uh, keen to hear people's feedback on on just what they actually think uh, out there on on Halo Four. But your first impressions of it, Sim? It's pretty good. It's great. Um, I didn't know if 343, which is the studio that's developed it since they took over from Bungie, the original developers, would be able to continue it, but the storyline is really good, and the multiplayer from the limited amount that I played is pretty good. So, yeah, good on them. It's not often that you can keep a game going for four editions and not have a million complaints. Cool. Now... uh one, I think we, we, yeah, we're just about out of time actually. Uh, one, one last, last story. 
there are some new goggles that I came across uh, last week, some snow goggles uh, that have uh, have a sort of a, um, uh, a display of them. Now we've we've heard of obviously of um, of glasses and yeah, what what Google are doing in this space, uh, but we've also heard that there are actually quite a number of companies, uh, you know, working on on projects. Uh, that you know that'll display information into uh, into glasses, and uh, yeah, these these new goggles that have uh, that have come through uh, from Oakley, uh, the Oakley uh, Airwave, uh, have been made for skiers and, and snowboarders, and they'll take information uh, from your smartphone and, uh, and and push them up to uh, um, up to your goggles, so you'll actually be able to uh, to see them as you're as you're skiing down the uh, slopes. Is this, is this something uh, you think is going to really take off? These are 500 pounds, so we're talking, uh, you know, in, well, in the direction of a, of a thousand, but, yeah, with, uh, with the way that, that these things usually hit New Zealand and, uh, the, you know, the, the um, you know, nature of the size of our market probably will be more in that $1,500 direction. Um, are, are you a skier or a snowboarder at all, Sim? No, snow doesn't like me. It has a tendency to hurt me quite badly. I can't imagine a single reason to get this, but then again, I, I, for a while, I couldn't imagine why would we need an iPad or whatever. The people find a use for it. But think of the limited usage for a giant goggle like that. You, you'd pretty much only be able to get away with it at a ski field, which seems kind of very limiting to me. Yeah, well, I'll give it a thumbs down for a while. Okay, well, I guess it's a sign of things to come, really. It's a bit of a taste of the future. And I, I think it's, yeah, it's fascinating to think how these things might end up in, in a few years. You see, because I already wear glasses, so if my glasses could do something else, that could be useful. Uh, but it also could be rather distracting and, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It, Certainly, when, they, when when you know we started he- first hearing these announcements, um, yeah, they didn't sound too good. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm positive that they might turn into something uh, interesting over over time. So uh, we'll we'll wait and see. But uh, if Oakley want to send us some uh, some of those uh, goggles to try out, then uh, um, I'll have to go and find some snow, or else I'll have to wear them as I drive to work, uh, which which could be rather amusing. Well, I guess that's uh, that's really us uh, for this week. Oh, there's uh, we do have coming up in a few weeks. We're going to do uh, I think it's a top 100, uh, 100 or maybe top one hundred and one gadgets. So if there's anyone, uh, as they usually are each week, uh, anyone listening from any of the uh, uh, the brands that have cool tech gadgets, um, then feel free to, uh, to to hit us up. Uh, or for any of the PR companies, uh, if there's some new gadget you've got that we haven't uh, talked about or, or heard about yet, uh, hit us up. One of the new ones actually we uh, we got sent last week was the Fitbit One. Now uh, this is a little uh, a little little gadget that you wear and it keeps track of the uh, the energy you're burning, how far you're walking or running, uh, and then you can link it up to uh, to your smartphone to uh, to collect uh, you know a bunch of info. Um, you can also wear it while you're sleeping, and it records just how well you're actually sleeping, whether you're getting a good night's sleep or not. So there's a bunch of data that these uh, uh, these Fitbit units uh, can can gather, and that's coming into the New Zealand market for $160. Now I think it uses uh, uses Bluetooth to talk to the phone. Um, I haven't actually tried that, but um, 
just just yet, but it's got a uh, a USB charger and uh, yeah, very small little unit to uh, to clip onto your uh, you know belt, etc., or to, uh, to to put on a, an armband type thing. So um, the other uh, gadgetry that we are having a look at uh, over the next few days is um, a number of Ford's new 2013 vehicles that uh, are just hitting or about to hit the market uh, locally. Uh, and one thing when we when we reviewed the um, uh, the Ford Mondeo Titanium last year that was that was missing for the New Zealand market was the Ford Sync technology, uh, which Microsoft has developed for them, which brings in uh, a bunch of navigation capabilities, uh, speech recognition, uh, ability to control the uh, you know various types of media uh, off a smartphone or an iPod, USB uh, stick, etc. Uh, so we're going to be trying uh, some of those vehicles out. Uh, along with the various uh, safety, uh, you know, technologies and, and, and other bits of tech associated. So uh, keep a lookout for that. We'll be doing uh, probably be doing a video around some of that technology because it's probably better uh, uh, seen rather than just uh, having us uh, chit-chatting about them. So um, we will come back with that over the next few weeks. All right. Well, that, that's us now. Uh, Sim, where do we uh, where do we track you down online if we want to uh, keep up with uh, with what you're up to? Well, uh, you can read my articles at computerworld.co.nz or follow me on Twitter on at Semantics, which is S-I-M-A-N-T-I-C-S. Excellent, excellent. And uh, for those that uh, want to track me down, uh, I'm on Twitter, just my name, uh, so at Paul Spain. And I'm also on uh, most of the other sort of social networks like uh, Google Plus uh, as well. Uh, and, of course, nztechpodcast.com is our main website. Uh, and we also are on uh, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. Uh, we're on uh, Google Plus as well. Uh, and if you would like to track us down on email, then feedback at nztechpodcast.com is, uh, is that address. So thanks, everyone, for, uh, for listening in. We will be back again next week with uh, lots more about what's happening in the world of uh, tech, internet, consumer electronics, and uh, um, and cars as it happens. So, uh, so that's us. See ya.